leaders in the known universe, 90% of you are uncomfortable asking for help. That's a mistake. In this episode, we're going to explore dynamics of getting help. Welcome to the Metacast. We have another guest in the house, which we are very excited about. A big welcome to Gary. Gary, if you could give us a little bit of information about who you are and why you're here to get the party started, and then we'll dig into the episode. So I'm Gary Cohen, and I've been in the software industry for way too long, but I've spent a lot of time leading engineering organizations, product organizations, uh, especially for software product companies. And over the last few years, I've sort of transitioned from leading organizations to helping people who lead organizations, uh, especially around organizational change. I bring a background of both technical expertise, but also a lot of leadership, organizational design. And uh, that's, you know, why I wanted to be here today for uh, this conversation, because we're talking about two people. Two groups of people I care a lot about, leaders and the people who help leaders. Perfect. Perfect. So the focus of today is help and the fact that as a leader, you likely need help. And also the awareness that a leader that you work with likely needs help. So the goal for today is to make sure we have clarity there and action steps on how to deal with both of those situations. All right. So let's start with, as a leader, do I need help? How do I know I need help? What do I do? Well, I, I would say there, there's a few things that I, I know as a leader that are, are big disadvantages for me. I have no time, right? My my day is filled with meetings. And 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 so, number one, I'm isolated in meetings. I, I, I can't be in front of my team, right? So that that's number one. Number two... People don't tell me the truth. They tell me what I want to hear, right? And in the bigger the organization, also the further I am away from the action. So I have no clue what's actually going on, right? So those, I mean, let's just start there. Like those are two big meaty problems that most leaders have. Can I, and I want to see how you guys react but this whole notion that leaders don't have a lot of time, I want to, I want to scream bullshit on that a little bit. So now, now the leader may not call bullshit on themselves, <laughs> but someone needs to call bullshit on it. And what I mean in a respectful way, in a respectful way, but it's like you, you control your calendar, you control where you go. You know, it's not a slave state as a leader. Leaders have tremendous empowerment to take it. So I, I do think a lot of them uh, have this badge of honor that I'm like double booked, triple booked, quadruple booked. And it's sort of this notion of I need to be everywhere. I need to be micromanaging it. But the bullshit is you have control over that. You're, you're putting meetings up on a priority. I would argue, put your people up on a priority and, and then spend less time over here and spend more time with your people. What do you guys, is that harsh or what do you guys think? I don't think it is, but I think that's exactly what this episode is about is you may not know that you may be buried under all of these calendars and all of these pressures from above or from customers or wherever it's coming from that 
you almost forget, you know, we've talked in the past about getting pickled, right? You can be in an organization where like, that's, that's like being in meetings is how you show you have value. So the more meetings I'm in, the more I do, the more value that I create when in reality, that's wrong, especially as a leader, but you likely need help recognizing that like someone has to grab you by the shoulders and almost like shake you and be like, you don't have to do it this way. And that's, that's a situation I see a lot of leaders in. So Gary, do you have any stories or any experience of, of, of people or companies that operate in that manner that like you've had to wrestle out of that view or mindset? Sure. I, I would say most companies, right. Um, they meeting themselves to death and, and, you know, so you, like Bob said, I mean, you, you do control your own calendar, although you're part of a greater culture. And if that culture is, you know, I have to be in, in these meetings, it's, it's harder, but um, I, th- I think it's really a question of priority. Right. And it kind of, it maps the same way that, that companies take on too many projects or do try and do too many things at once. And, and they're not very good at prioritizing. And this is just the same thing on an individual basis. And, and so trying to, you know, trying to work with people to say, like, look, you, you're frustrated by the situation just as much as anybody else. Let's do something about it, right? Let's make some different decisions so that you, you do change the way, you know, where you spend your time. So then step one is, uh, or step one of helping yourself to be clear is you have control and you can help steer and change those things as a, as a leader, slam on the brakes right now, jump on them with both feet and, and look at what's controlling you. And most likely, cause we've all been there and I've been a part of organizations. It's happened to me. Um, as much as I hate being in meetings where like, meetings were the thing. And I just like, like every day I turn around and like, daggone, I didn't get anything done because I was in meetings and that was really frustrating. So what are you going to do about it? And that, and that's where help can come in of maybe you need help trying to get that under control. Maybe as Gary talked about, it's a, it's an organizational norm or organizational expectation that leaders are in meetings 24 seven and that's who they are. And that's what they do. And you likely need to find a way to start changing that culture. So you might have to be the outlier that starts not going to meetings and having the courage to make that happen. So that's certainly an option. What, what uh, other thoughts and ideas do we have around tackling this, this problem? I, what comes to mind for me is, is help is delegating. So part of it, you know, in this episode, Gary, we're talking about like having an external, you know, uh, consultant or a coach, who's helping and that's valid. That's important, but just delegating to your team members, giving them the opportunity to help, <laughs> to help you right. By opening the door. Uh, so, so free delegating to everyone. Imagine what that does to the organization when, instead of you being in a thousand meetings, you're spreading that out and you're, and you, and you're only, you're selecting the appropriate ones where you need to, to really be there. Right. And delegation's a, a very important skill. Um, again, it's, it's not something I think people naturally <laughs> are good at, that they, they have to learn how to do it and the right way to do it. Um, so I think that that's a really good thing that all leaders need, need to get good at. 
But I'll also say that I think they need to do more than that because I still think that there are too many things that that the organization or the group or the team or whatever is is doing than they should be. They need to limit their work in progress. Yep. Right. And focus on the things that will truly move the needle the most and focus in on getting that done before moving on to the other. And, you know, we're all familiar with with lean and Kanban and all that sort of stuff. Um, but the more things you have going on at once, even though it seems like, oh, I'm making progress on all these things, it's it's actually slowing us up and creating this log jam that's causing us to be in meetings all the time and having to deal with all these things at once. I, I mean, to amplify that, Gary, I would say lean, like flow, being flow aware is crucial. Uh, as you were talking, I was thinking about one company that I was aware of. It, you know, there was maybe like in an IT group, there was 100 people uh, and they had like 150 active projects going on. And I'm not, this is true. This is reality. And and then they were wondering why they weren't getting anything done. It was actually sad because the board was meeting with the folks like for a review and they were working really hard, but they didn't get anything done. And it's And it was just creating this, huge amount of churn and if they could have just limited that and that that was the advice and that's what they were trying to do is is limit that limit focus on what you're doing yeah just bring that into your mindset okay so a common issue which we've talked about is just the availability of a leader and and the reality of the challenges that are there what what other areas gary do you see leaders needing help that maybe they don't recognize normally and it takes someone like you to come in and say like hey mr and mrs leader like you have this problem and you might not know it can yeah, i can um, i interrupt let me let me interrupt just first i have a picture hold on i have oh, a graphic wow. i have oh a little God. graphic if you can get it multimedia and, and what i'm <laughs> and what i'm talking about is that, and i think this i'm trying to capture what gary's second point was it's lonely at the top right and, and there's these phenomenons we hear that I'm at the top and no one is telling me the truth or no one, no one's telling the emperor that they have no clothes or, um, or, or I only have like 10% of the information, et cetera. So like it's the least, I'm making decisions with the least amount of information possible. So, I, so, I'm, so to- I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt the interruption because for the first time, in Metacast history, I'm able to say, I wrote about that, Bob. <laughs> no. How, how many, how many times? Did you? How many times? You yes. outblogged Bob? I, I have a blog post on my latest newsletter, the Leadership Lighthouse. Link will be included about the loneliness of leadership. So I, Holy I might just God. retire from the podcast right now. This is like, <laughs> After a dozen or so years, this finally happened. Uh, so either it's bizarro world, I don't know what's happening. Something, something weird is going on. So uh, yeah, sorry you stepped into this mess, Gary. But yeah, just this confluence of uh, unexpected reality has hit us. Okay, so Gary, bring us back. You, you know, we asked you a question, and then Bob did a thing. Bob did a Bob. Um, so what what are the other areas where you see leaders struggling to recognize that help is needed. Yeah. So sticking to the transparency theme, like they don't, 
they're they don't see what's going on because people don't tell them and they don't have systems set up to help help them with that so as somebody coming in to help them there are a couple of things that we can do so first of all people are more likely to reveal the truth to us than they are to the leader and therefore we can we you know we can help kind of transmit that that message and and provide some observations Number two, we can work with the teams to encourage better work visualization, right? And when we do that, leader can just look in the system and say, okay, I I can sort of see what's going on. And when we do that, this actually gets back to the first problem too about, about not having enough time. Now, all of a sudden, we can start to revisit what we're doing in those meetings or whether we even need to have them because a lot of the meetings we have is just to go over status of things that if we had better visualization, we wouldn't need to do, right? And maybe instead we could we could help the leader focus on important things like what have we learned over the last week, month, whatever, you know, and what decisions are we making based off of that? Like to get to a more adaptive, agile sort of mindset rather than than just blindly following the, you know, the plan that, you know, that we set out. So these are all areas where I think you know, we can help the leader to, to achieve greater, greater transparency so that they can make better decisions. Yeah. I, Bob, Bob taught me, ugh, I don't want to say this, Bob, Bob taught me <laughs> a wonderful lesson a decade or so ago. I, I was leading a engineering team in a small company and our retros weren't exactly what, what I wanted them to be. And I was talking to Bob about it over lunch and he's like, you have to get out of the retros. I'm like, I can't get it. Like, I, you know, I, my team trusts me to do all that stuff. He's like, well, you, yeah, sure. Of course they do. But last time I checked, you're the VP. And whether you like it or not, that title carries something. And so that title walks in the room, people tighten up. People don't share things like they could or should because of that title. And as painful as it was when I removed myself as the VP from those retros, they became exactly what I hoped that they would, would be. So even though I didn't want to be viewed as that type of person, as the VP, uh, there was nothing I could do about it because the title carried with it what it did. And so oftentimes you just have to accept reality that the role that you're in, because it's lonely and because of all of those things, you're not always going to get the information that you want. So you're going to have to create systems to enable that or create the delegation, whatever those options are, they're out there. So yes, Bob saved me once or twice. (laughs) You know, you know, the really, the yes and to that though, Josh is, and I remember the context, people think that it's, oh, people are afraid of me or I'm an ass as a leader. So, so it's disruptive. So I'm a bad leader. Therefore, that has an implication. They change. It's it happens to good leaders. You were you were loved there. People like they really respected you, and 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 I think that was one of the gaps. It's like, well, how can I? You know, I'm not doing anything wrong, right? right? I add. It's the role. It's not you. So it, it sort of doesn't. It it's not connected to whether you're loved or or feared. It's the role has implications, right? Yeah. There are a couple of other areas where I think leaders need help. So communication. Yeah. Right. Especially when they're trying to uh, get people to change behavior. 
right? There's there's the obvious, which is, you know, telling people why they need to change, right? And painting a vision of how great the world will be once once we change. Um, so some people don't, some leaders don't do that, but even, even, you know, the leaders who do that, they usually under communicate that. And, and it's really important, like the bigger your organization is, the more levels you have, the more, even, even if you're really good at it, the more your message is going to kind of degrade as it goes through the organization. And as somebody who's there to help the leader. I mean, whatever you want to call yourself, a change catalyst, a, a coach, a consult, whatever, you have a special power in that you can move between the different levels of the organization. So you're privy to the direct message the leader's trying to convey. So you can help convey that to, to you know, kind of the, as you go deeper into the organization. And likewise, you can also bring the voices of, of the people down, you know, at the deeper levels of the organization up, up to the leader. And I kind of compare it to like on the chat, you know, when you're playing chess, right. The knight is the only piece that can kind of move the way that it does. Right. It's not the most powerful piece, but it has unique qualities. And I think sometimes privilege as a, as a coach change, what, you know, change catalyst, whatever, is that we can move in places that other people can't. And that's that's how you can help out leaders a lot in terms of getting that clear communication going, you know, bi-directionally. Yep. One of the, you know, like frustrating things as a leader at times, uh, it's not frustrating to me anymore, but but it was for a long time because I didn't understand. Like, I we just talked about this. Why, why is it not firmly entrenched in your brain since we just talked about it? And then over time, learning and the mistakes that I made where my job as a leader was just to provide context and clarity, which meant I was saying the same things over and over and over again. And that's what was required for success. So you're going to have to get help reminding you that you're going to have to continuously provide that that, that clarity and it's a never ending job. It's just ceaseless, but that's what you have to do to be a great leader. And, and I, I would have loved to have had some help of somebody like, you know, grabbing me and saying like, Hey buddy, you know, you gotta, you, this is just the way it is. You know, I had to learn the hard way, but that's why leaders need help. And you bring up a, a great point there in terms of somebody needing to, <laughs> kind of really tell you in, in, in straight terms, like to give you that feedback. Right. And, and that, that maybe that's the area where leaders need the most help is somebody who's willing to give them that feedback, you know, um, kind of speaking truth to power, but doing it in a respectful way. I know Bob mentioned doing it in the, you know, light sort of way. Um, you know, and it, it takes a lot of experience to know, when, when to step in and give that feedback. You don't want to do it all the time because nobody likes being, you know, given feedback all the time. But when you're, you're really good at it, like nobody else is going to do that. If you don't give that feedback to the leader, leader's not going to hear it from anybody else. So if you want to be in that position to help out leadership, that's, you have to have that courage, right. And the wisdom you know, about when to do it. I, I think that's really important. I think there's two sides to it. I mean, Gary talked about, I was, 
I was thinking the same thing. There's the courageous aspect as a as a change catalyst. You that's what you're getting paid for. It's a dangerous business. So have a have some money in the bank and 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 bring your A game to the table because that's what you're getting paid for. Uh, but then on the leadership side, I would argue not all leaders a lot, you know, maybe a hundred percent ask for it and maybe 20% can handle the truth. Right. So how do you, how do you handle the match? How do you have the courage? It's almost like a protocol between the two. There's the, the catalyst and the leader. Uh, and, and how do you optimize that? And even how does it, how does the catalyst understand whether the leader is ready for it? You know, can they handle the truth, et cetera? And, and what does that balancing act look like? I mean, Josh, you and I've talked, we've talked a lot of times about your, you are as a leader, you take feedback, you internalize the feedback, you're a feedback sponge. You're very rare, right? You're, you're in my experience, you know, maybe 10 to 20% of the leaders actually really, you know, are the sponges and really take it and take action on it. It's a, it's a curse and a blessing. Uh, so to wrap this up, one of the things that maybe we can do is tee up a couple of quick hints for um, recognizing that a leader needs help and the best way to like take the first step across that bridge of like, hey, uh, I think you need help without doing that. One of the most important things that I feel that I offer to to leaders is as a fellow leader, I just ask how they're doing because so many times as a leader, nobody really cares about you. Everybody brings problems to you and they expect you to solve it. And so your, your life is stacked with continuously absorbing problems across the organization. And, and, and sometimes you just need like a break. So I've found there's tremendous value in just sitting down and talking with that leader. And it will take time and effort to get that leader to like, let their guard down and realize like, Hey, we're just talking like, this isn't like, I'm not trying to like butter you up for something or I'm not like, you know, given this, like, Hey, here's the good stuff. And here's the bad stuff. Like there's no bad stuff. It's just like, how are you doing? What can I do to help? Is there anything that you need? Just thoughts like that are, are, are words that leaders seldom hear. So I found tremendous value in just having that discussion with them. What what other thoughts, tips, tricks do either of you have? I just echo empathy when you were talking, Josh. I think of a key is empathy, and is a key, and walking in someone's shoes, and not just saying it, not being presumptive, but really like deep empathy, connection, and then relationship, building a relationship with someone. Uh, the other thing is, I think you have to earn it as a as a change agent, as a coach, as an advisor. You have to you have to realize that you you know I, I see so many agile coaches that they immediately start coaching leaders w- without <laughs> doing these steps, and and then and then without earning it, it's almost like I'm going to tell you to change everything. No, <laughs> do something, right? Earn it give, give your, give your leader a nugget and then help them navigate that and earn that, you know, earn the trust of the leader. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, you definitely need to build up trust and, and, and respect. Um, I, I think the other thing that I'd say is 
rather than sometimes just going right in and saying, you need to do this, right? Is so say, hey, I've noticed this, right? Yeah. And and when you, you know, like when you walk into the room, here's here's the expressions I see on people's faces or or what, you know, just give them enough data and observations because remember, right, they don't always see everything, right? Or if they do, they, they don't have the same perspective you do and, and, and sort of gently start to present some evidence to help them, you know, start to say, you know what, maybe I should be handling this a little differently. Um, sometimes you do, you do have to talk directly to them and, and give them the whole car, the, the cold hard truth. But, uh, but I think more often than not, it's more of the build the relationship and share important information with them. Another thing I would say is model, like walk your own talk. Uh, I, I've had agile coaches coach me and, and they, and, and what's funny is, I mean, sometimes I don't need the coaching or, but, but getting beyond my, <laughs> my ego, you don't need uh, the it, coaching. <laughs> no, no, no. But going, going beyond that, they're, they're sort of, they're, they're just, what am I? I lost my thought. They're. Oh, see, this is this is why Bob needs the coaching, right? He says he doesn't need the coaching, but he does. Uh, yeah, did but you, they're not. Did they come back? Not, so, but they're not walking in my shoes. Ah, gotcha. they're, they're, yeah. they're just they're just telling me what to do. You should. Do, I'm resonating with what Gary said. Yeah, you should do this. You should do this. And then I look at them, and they're not doing it. So they're telling me to do stuff that they're not willing to do themselves, uh, and and it, they immediately lose me. No matter how wise they are, or or whatever, I'm like, it, it's incongruent, is what I'm what I'm trying to say. So it's 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 very so. Don't be incongruent. Well, before you're providing it, make sure you're walking your talk, not perfectly, but are you doing whip limit? Someone will tell me, oh, you have too much whip, and then they have 82. Josh, <laughs> this is like you. You have 82 clients you're coaching, right? <laughs> and and you're and you're harping on me about whip limit, and you're all over the place. So I don't know what you're talking about. I've never had. I don't know what before. you're. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're You've, talking about. Bob, you haven't walked in my shoes. You don't. You, you don't know. <laughs> because they're all over. I can't even catch your shoes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, lastly, uh, before we stick a fork in it, uh, Gary's come in, shared a bunch of stuff with us. You may have heard something that you really like from Gary, and you're like, you know, how how do I get in touch with Gary? Because maybe he's the right person to come in and help us change our organization. So Gary, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you? With you? We'll certainly include it in the description and all of that stuff. But just for those that are listening right now that can't wait for this to come out, like what do they do? How do they get in touch with you? So two best ways to get a hold of me would be number one through my website, which is www.practical-agility.com. Uh, and there you can schedule time to meet, send me messages, things like that. And, and the other great way to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there and love, uh, interacting with people on there. Perfect. All right, Bob, you know what to do. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. And from beautiful downtown Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina, Gary, now it's your turn. And from beautiful downtown Radnor, Pennsylvania. All right. I, I'm Bob Galen. 
I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Gary Cohen. All right. Shake and bake.